0: Welcome to Ministries The Podcast, where I talk to successful ministry leaders about how they're using podcasting to amplify their mission and grow their ministry. I'm Tim Hall, your host and owner of Sonomorphic, a podcast production company that specializes in podcasting for ministries. My guest today is Elizabeth Woodson. She's a Bible teacher, author, theologian, and host of Starting Place with Elizabeth Woodson. Now, Elizabeth founded the Woodson Institute. It's an organization that equips believers to understand and grow their Christian faith. She loves helping people internalize their faith and connect it practically to everyday life. With over a decade of experience in church ministry, Elizabeth is passionate about creating pathways for discipleship and theological education in the local church. In today's episode, Elizabeth and I are going to talk about what led her to starting her own podcast in addition to another podcast that she co-hosts, why she chose to break her podcast up into seasons, and how the podcast plays into her greater strategy for the Woodson Institute. So let's jump right in. Here's my conversation with Elizabeth Woodson. Well, Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah. So I first heard of you when I was editing an episode of the She Reads Truth podcast, one of my clients, and uh, you were talking with Rachel and Amanda about the book of Deuteronomy, which I'm sure was a fun one to to chat through. <laughs> and I remember as I was editing that episode, hearing your laugh and your energy that you brought to that. And so I wanted to reach out to you and and have you on the podcast. And uh, since that episode that I, it was a couple of years ago. Now, you've started your own podcast, but you're also the host of a podcast called Culture Matters. And it looks like you've been part of that show since about 2019. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So you've been the host, one of the hosts for that show. And I'd love to hear the story of how you became one of the hosts of Culture Matters. And then what led to you wanting to start your own podcast?
1: Yeah, Culture Matters is, is is a really fun podcast, has an interesting kind of history. It used to be a podcast of the Village Church, where I used to be on staff at. And so when I got asked to be a part of it, it still was kind of hosted and owned by the Villas Church. It's now owned by another church in the local Dallas area. And so they just needed someone to be a guest to talk about theology and kind of the story of the Bible. And so I remember we did this series on creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and I would come in and provide theological perspective. And then another one of the co-hosts would kind of provide like this cultural lens of how we see those things showing up. And we just had fun. And I've always loved the intersection of faith and culture. Some of my background before ministry was in the area of kind of like urban ministry and so always thinking about like issues of the city, issues of culture and how they affect our faith in Jesus. And so that one guest spot turned into them asking me to be one of the co-hosts and I was nice. really honored cuz they are great Cooper guys. And so we've just had a fun journey and we podcasted during the pandemic which was a lot of Zoom <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> until we figured out uh, what platforms to use and it just is Again, I get to have the conversations with wonderful people, read books and think about ideas in a way that I don't always get to do normally in my line of work, specifically when I was working on staff at a church. And so I've just loved that. And for me, podcasting... It's such a fun medium by which to reach people with information. But in my area of passion, it's to reach people in this area of discipleship. And so when I was thinking about what kind of long-form content do I want to create? Because I think if you are kind of in this space of content creation, at some point in time, I think you ought to consider making long-form content. And I did Mm -hmm. have a conversation with someone who was like, what is long-form content? (laughs) And so I will explain that if you're one of those people. And it just is, you know, you have your short clips on social media you'll have a caption that maybe right. be a hundred, maybe 200 words, and you're thinking about something that is much more substantive than that. And so it might be a 30 minute to an hour thing on YouTube or a podcast or even longer articles that you might see in The Atlantic or the New Yorker. And so I wanted to be able to have a place where people, could get to know my voice, but I could get to unfold this mission of discipleship for the long haul. And so Starting Place really was that vision of, can I just walk people through these categories in a conversation? Yeah. And so Starting Place, we talk about what we should believe as Christians in categories of like, what does the Bible say? What are the theological beliefs we hold? What are formational practices that we enter into to remember all those things? But how can I tell you that not in a lecture format, but in a conversation that you can model with someone else? And so... Culture Matters gave me the experience to feel comfortable launching out into my own podcast.
0: Yeah, that's great. And one of the things you mentioned, too, was, you know, starting your own podcast, you were able to build off of what you've already had learned. What were some of those learnings from Culture Matters? Maybe, you know, some of the things that people don't necessarily think about that are looking to start a podcast, like the recording software, like the mic and stuff. What are some of those things that you took from Culture Matters and brought to your podcast?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you mentioned a few right there of just the setup that you have. And so I work with a really great team, but they're the same team I work with for Culture Matters. So it's a bunch of friends who still are working together just in different spaces. So it's like, what's your mic? What's your video setup? Uh, Right now I got some lights in front of me that if you can't see, this is a whole setup. And that takes time. (laughs) (laughs) But a good setup really matters. The sound really matters. And so thinking about those things. Also thinking about, we call them run sheets, but just what is the structure for your Mm -hmm. conversation? So... My goal is to have a conversation that seems effortless, seems casual. We are taking a very structured (laughs) journey because it's my role as Mm -hmm. the podcast host to make sure that we hit the points I want us to hit and we land where I want us to land. And also, you know, I'm inviting someone on to have a conversation And so they're giving up their time. So if there are specific points I want to make, if they're not able to do that, I have to come behind and do that in a very gracious way. So all of that is very structured. I'm in a document. It's like a Word document, Google Doc, and it just writes out questions and direction. Then also, you know, how are you going to share your podcast with the world? And so, you know, how are you going to share it on social media? Maybe you have an email newsletter list. And so there's all of that after Production. I have a guy who does all the production for my stuff, which is very, very good. But that's something you got to think about, Mm -hmm. too. So it's kind of like these pieces behind the scenes of how do you produce really good-sounding information, but then how do you share that information with the world?
0: For sure. And I was listening to another episode that you were on, and this kind of dovetails into what you were just saying that you're a perfectionist and I'm right there with you. I'm the same way, always trying to get things to line up how I want them to line up. But what are some ways that as you got into podcasting and specifically with your own podcast, that that's been a blessing and a curse at times?
1: (laughs) Yeah, being a perfectionist on a podcast I think the one downside is that it's not live. So I have plenty of opportunity (laughs) to go back and retape. I do a monologue on the front and the end that I will do, record outside the interview. And so, sometimes I just do too many takes. And I'm like, Elizabeth, it's just not that deep. You don't need to worry about every (laughs) specific word. I'm perfectionist on cadence and how I want the last word to fall. It just gets to be a little bit too much, Tim. And so, that's when it can just slow me down because... Podcasting, and I'm learning this with having my own, it's a journey of people walking with Mm -hmm. you. At the end of the day, people are not coming alongside you because your podcast is perfect. They're coming alongside because they really enjoy your voice, the content you're producing, and where you're taking them. And so I think it's less of an emphasis. I'm on a podcast network. And so, the guy who directs our network, he's just like, you're not gonna go down for one or two bad podcast episodes. (laughs) Like, it's just not gonna take your show down. And so that's kind of a good encouragement to the bad side. But also it is, I'm really intentional about the content I produce. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm not just trying to slap something up there and try to upload something just because I had an idea that what people would know is I think a lot about the conversations I'm having. I think about the people I invite and I want to produce a really good quality piece of sometimes I think of podcasting as art because it's a creative process and I want to produce something that's really good for the listener. You're taking your time to listen to what I'm producing and I want to honor that. So the perfectionism helps me kind of pushes me forward in that and then sometimes i have to pull myself back when it just is i'm doing the most.
0: Yeah. I have found myself doing way too many takes on my intro and outro. <laughs> Same thing. It's like, ah, oh, but i didn't but i didn't say that the way that i wanted to. Let's just take uh-huh. it again. Okay, from the top. It's like right. and then you go back to edit it and it's like t- what what was i doing? What was <laughs>
1: exactly? Exactly.
0: Um, but you just mentioned that you're part of a, a podcast network and i think i saw that you're part of training the church, right? Yeah. So tell me about that partnership and what that looks like and what that value is for you as a podcaster.
1: Yeah, the podcast network really, to me, provides a a significant amount of support for the areas in which I'm not really good at. So I love creating content. I don't know how to edit my podcast. I don't know what equipment to buy. I don't really always have the capacity to kind of do all the social media stuff. And so we have a partnership. We're able to come together, and they're able to support me in those ways. And I think also being able to benefit from people who've just done it better. And so one of the podcasts on our network is Knowing Faith, and Knowing Faith is been around for a long time. It's very successful. And any good podcaster, you need to learn from other people who do the craft better than you do. And I have access to those people in a way where I can ask questions and have them listen to my stuff and say, hey, Elizabeth, this episode was good, but you can make it better in this way. Or areas in which I can grow. And I'm always welcoming that from them. And sometimes podcasting, you just need people who are just doing what you're doing. And so it's fun. We'll all get together and we're able to talk about an experience that's unique to us. We did that recently nice. at a conference. We were all there. And so it just, it's, you just need support and friendship in it. But they definitely, you know, people comment on the quality of the podcast. I'm like, look, it's just not me. There's a whole team and I'm grateful for that team. And so the podcast network provides support to me is the biggest thing. And being able to produce something when I just don't have the capacity to do all the things on my own.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Because I'm a podcaster, as well as doing the behind the scenes stuff, I know the whole yeah. the whole deal, but it is not for everyone, for sure. There's a lot that goes into it. And it's cool to hear, too, that you get together as a network and talk about mm-hmm. what's going on. I mean, that's that's really why I started this podcast, because it's like, yeah. there's so many folks out there that are doing the same thing. And how can we learn from each other? How can people that are wanting to start a podcast that... Don't know how to take the first step or that have been doing it for a little while and want to get better at it to, to hear from people like yourself that have been doing it for a while now and have that experience and expertise and can say, hey, don't worry about doing all the takes. <laughs> do it well. Do it well, but do you well. don't have to do it perfect. Exactly. <laughs> so that's exactly. great. And you're in season two now of your podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to ask you what led to the decision to break your podcast into seasons as opposed to um, some of the other formats out there?
1: Yeah, you know, I think people, like you said, people do kind of a lot of different things. And part of it was the rate at which I knew I could produce content. And so even when it's come to other pieces of content creation, I've had advice when people said, don't build a monster that you can't feed, mm-hmm. right? Like, not that my podcast is a monster, but <laughs> it, it is true. So it's just like some people produce a podcast every Week They're releasing a new Mm -hmm. episode, and it's going to build a lot of momentum for them. But the people who are doing it well, the ones who are really visible, they usually have support around them to do that. Mm -hmm. And the support of even creating content. So it's not just one person creating content. It's a team of people, even though you just hear one person actually talking. And so I, to be honest, with the other things I'm doing, man, I, I may not be able to do that really well, but I can do seasons really well. And it allows me space to grow into something different if I would want that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it also breaks up the type of content I'm trying to produce. So for me, my podcast is along the sides of being educational. And I want to be able to create these... uh, categories that people can get their hands around. So it's like you could gather. The goal and vision is one day people could gather with a small group or gather with some friends and use the season to guide a conversation about those things in their community. And so there's a clear start and ending, right? So we're going through the story of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, give some clear breaking in there. And so to me, that probably was more of a decision is how do I separate the content in ways that people aren't overwhelmed by it and can take a little bit at a time, but also can use this in other educational environments within their church or faith communities. Yeah,
0: that's great. That's super wise because just a little personal story. When I was starting my podcast, I was like, oh, I'm going to, yeah, I can do weekly and have guests on every week. And then it's like, well, then you have to book guests. And then they have to say yes. Mm -hmm. I was coming down to it and I was like, Tim, this isn't sustainable for you. (laughs) So that's why I settled with bi-weekly. Or not settled. I chose to sustain bi-weekly, just like you're saying. You chose, series is a good format for me. And I think it's a great format for a lot of people that are like, okay, I have this idea to do this many episodes on this topic. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Let's put that out there, see how people respond, and let's do it again. Yeah. So that's great. And then along with your podcast, you recently started the Woodson Institute just last year. And describe the work that you do and then how uh, the relationship between it and the podcast.
1: Yeah. So the Watson Institute really is a passion project of mine, heartbeat of discipleship. And so we exist to help Christians understand and grow in their faith. And so I say understand and grow because I want to raise a bar in terms of deep comprehension, Mm. but also to teach people to think critically about the Christian faith. But we don't just have information for information's sake. Information transforms. And so how do we help people transform into the likeness of Christ and walk into the fullness of faith that we have held for thousands of years. And so we do that through two main pillars. One is a curated resource creation. So I actually think there's a lot of content out there, and some of it you just can't access because you can't see it. And so I make it my job and the people that I work with to kind of comb through all the stacks to find the good pieces and say, instead of reading these 20 books, Choose these five, Mm. you know? And so pointing people in the way of, so creating content, curating lists, but then also the podcast is a part of that. So with each episode, I'm trying to do three things. One, I'm trying to introduce people to a topic. So for instance, we'll talk about this season, we're talking about the New Testament. And so the episode that releases at the time that we are recording this episode together is talking about why should we go to church, like the mm-hmm. gathering? Why do Christians gather? And so on that episode, we're going to introduce you to that topic, but I'm also introduce you to a person. And so each guest to me is someone that I believe that my listeners can continue the journey of learning with. And then lastly, a resources. So every episode, we give just a handful, not a whole lot, but just a handful of if you want to continue learning, here's a book, here's an article, maybe here's a video that you can watch. And all of that is intentional with how do I continue to guide you down the path of spiritual growth in the areas that I believe that you should know about in order to do that. And then the other area outside of creating resources is training experiences. And so I frequently travel around the country and will teach and train, but there's also vision for, you know, having online courses, vision for workshops and training church leaders and how to think deeply about these things too. So there's a lot of space to run, but the podcast to me is one of the first pillars to create this space of, if I can just get you to listen to me on the podcast, I'm building categories Mm -hmm. for you. If people just journey with me through the next three years, I'm gonna cover some very intentional areas and that aligns with what we're trying to do in the Woodson Institute. So it's a slow build, but it's a really fun ministry because again, I think we're in a moment where people are desiring to think critically about the Christian faith and I wanna meet them there with some good tools and some good training.
0: Podcasting takes a lot of time, effort, and to be honest, a lot of Googling. What if you could ask like-minded people how to overcome the challenges you're facing starting a podcast, growing a podcast, or producing multiple podcasts? I think starting a community like that would be super valuable, but I want to know what you think. Would you be interested in being part of a community of ministry leaders using podcasts to amplify their mission and grow their ministry? If so, let me know by filling out the interest form using the link in the show notes. So, what are some ways that you've seen already as you've been doing the podcast for almost a year at this point, how it's started to build what you're doing at the Woodson Institute?
1: Yeah. What I think it is just exposure. And so, you know, I think you release your podcast into the world, so to speak. You have an idea of who's going to listen to it. It's definitely going to be your network. But then it's just people find it. And so it has been fun to interact with people who have been really hungry, but haven't known where to start. And that's kind of like, I think every good content creator you kind of have this avatar so to speak of the person you're trying to reach and my person is the hungry Christian who just doesn't know how to get started and where to jump in mm. and so hearing people who are just really grateful to have a place where oh you're thinking really substantively about the Christian faith as a woman as a woman of color that's really important to them and so that's been really fun I've also had people who have just talked about how they use it to have this of conversations yeah. and so again I want to be able to model something for people that they can do with their Friends, Maybe they're a leader, maybe they're just participating in a small group, maybe it's just them and a buddy, that they can take this question that I have at the end of every episode, I have a question for people, they can take maybe one of the topics we were talking about in the episode and... Talk about that with somebody else. Because to me, that is a place of learning. It's not that you're just listening and receiving, but that you're able to articulate those ideas for yourself. And so those have been some really cool ways of feedback I've received from people that have said, oh, this is useful. This is hitting um, in a really good way. And so I can hope that it continues to do that, that people who are hungry continue to find the podcast, but then they also continue to say, oh, let me take this and share it, which is really what my ultimate hope would be.
0: Yeah, that's great. And you just mentioned that at the end of the episode, you have a question. Every episode, same question. Yeah. Just insert the topic of the episode there of how does whatever that you're talking about in that episode point us ultimately to the gospel? What led you to choose that great question as the way to to finish out an episode?
1: Yeah. I think in my research before I launched and I was trying to listen to other podcasts I really liked, there was a couple that just did that. They had an element. Yeah. That was kind of like, this is their signature. This is what they do. And I thought it was just really fun and creative. And it ended up being a question I was going to ask just for this kind of topic of the story of the Bible. But because... It's just been so good. I'm like, oh, I just have to keep asking this question. And I think it's one of the things that happen when you're creating is you just kind of fall into something Mm -hmm. and it works. (laughs) And that's probably what has happened. So I wanted to have some type of signature at the end of the podcast. And I really like those who had like a final question and it creates this continuity. So you hear lots of different people have ideas in the same thing, which to me is really fun. And then it just worked really well. (laughs) So I just kept doing it. (laughs) That's great. That's really, that's the honest answer. (laughs) Yeah. No,
0: that's great. Yeah. So how has the podcast, as you've been doing it for some time now, you've been on Culture Matters before that, how has it enabled you to connect with people that you may not have had the opportunity to do so otherwise without having a podcast?
1: Yeah. Oh, man. I've had so many really good conversations through the podcast and people, and you know, you got to, with my, the way my podcast is set up. It's just me. So I have to have a guest every week. I mean, people could listen to me. I don't think that they <laughs> want to every week. Just me. So you just have to be courageous and ask people that you may or may not have a connection with. So like my first season was a lot more of my network. Sure. And then the second season, has that network has expanded. So it was more of, I've never met you in person. I really respect your work. Would you be willing to give of your time to be on my podcast? And it uh, it just has produced some really wonderful conversations. And I try to find people who their expertise is in the topic that I am addressing for that season, I think it makes Mm. it easier for them. And it means that we're going to have just... Because they've thought substantively about that information, my listeners are just going to be really blessed. And I remember I talked with Kay Ellis. I talked with her, Karen Ellis, about the persecuted church. Mm. And it was just phenomenal. And I had never met her before that. had seen her work from a distance. And so I think it created this really fun opportunity for me to make a connection, for me to honor somebody's work. I think that's a lot of it is you see people doing really great work. And I'm like, oh, people need to know you. They need to know what you're doing and can I provide a platform from that? So it's this network building, but it also is, man, it's just strengthening the bonds of the community of believers. And so I get to be encouraged by fellow brothers and sisters. I get to be as they are answering the questions, I am spurred on more towards the things of God. And sometimes it feels like a selfish little joy that I get to have, like, I got another good conversation <laughs> today. Yeah. And so I really enjoy what I do for that reason. But it has. It means that I got slots I have to fill. <laughs> and so I only have so many friends. <laughs> and so that means you just have to be courageous to ask people. And everybody doesn't say yes. I have gotten back no's. But some people do. And to me, it is worth asking those who I would be honored to have a conversation with and the possibility of being blessed by them saying yes to talking to me.
0: Yeah, that's great. So as you're, you're doing season two right now, I'm guessing that the beginning of next year is going to be season three. What are you yeah. looking forward to as you end this year, as you're looking forward to next year? What are you excited about?
1: No, but I think I'm excited about refining what we're Mm. doing at Starting Place. And so I think I've learned some things in terms of how to structure our conversations, seeing some trends and the types of guests I've had, and maybe ones that it's been a little bit easier for me to have the type of conversation that I want to. And again the responsibility for getting to the end point always rests on me as the host. And so are there things I can do to set my guest up better for that? Is there a way I can better use the monologue on the front end? So I think there's some aspects of... I've learned some things, and I want to try to come back in the third season stronger, continuing in the same path, but stronger in terms of how can I produce a better product for my listener? And really hone in on the things I do really well. And so I think I'm excited just to give it another go. Because with any creative project, it is a lot of planning. And then you got some risk in there, too. Because you just don't know. But we do our best to give it a best shot. And then I'm just excited to continue the conversation. I genuinely enjoy the things I talk about. And believe that our Christian faith is so substantive and so beautiful And next season, we're going to be talking about the doctrine of God. Mm. And again, my role is to how can I do that in a way that's very accessible? So it's a good challenge in that if I can have folks talking about the doctrine of God in a very accessible way with their friends and their community members, it's a win. And so I'm excited for the folks I'll gather to talk with me about those things, but also just the people who the Lord will allow to come across my podcast And what he's going to do to help them love him more. So it just is. I genuinely love what I'm doing with Starting Place. And so I'm excited to do it better in the spring.
0: Nice. Always learning. Always growing. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. So this takes us to um, the high pass segment, which is kind of. Similar to what you do with You Have One Question, I have a few questions I'm going to ask you here before we close the episode. The little byline with this is where we ignore the lows and I ask you about some of your favorite things. So what's your favorite topic to write curriculum about and to teach on? The
1: story of the Bible, the meta narrative of scripture, telling people what the Bible says from Genesis to Revelation. Favorite thing.
0: Nice. All right. What's one of your favorite stories from a listener about how the podcast has impacted their life?
1: It probably would be that discipleship conversation. Mm. Like it really was meaningful that the person was like, oh, this helps me talk to other people about the Lord. And yeah, I was just really touched by that. So that's probably one of my favorite stories.
0: Yeah, that's great. And then what's your favorite ministry podcast to listen to? Or is there a ministry that you're like, man, they do great work. I wish they had a podcast.
1: My favorite ministry podcast to listen to is The Urban Christian Woman, Leah Ross and Toshiba Oliver. And I think they're doing some really great work. They're in Ohio. So they're in your neck of the woods. And they're just a dynamic duo. They're Aries Discipleship. And I'm just a fan of what they're doing.
0: Nice. All right. Well, to close our episode, I got one last question for you. And that's, what's your best advice for somebody who's thinking about starting a podcast, but they're not sure if they're quite ready to actually do it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I would say the only urgency you feel is usually inside your head. (laughs) And so don't feel pressure to jump into it before you're ready. Mm. But also know that you won't be perfect when you do. Don't compare uh, yourself. I have more than one piece of advice, so I'm going to say this. Yeah, no, go for it. Don't compare yourself to people who have been podcasting for like a decade. Mm just don't do that. And those are probably the people you're listening to. Everybody starts with an idea and you get better as you go along. So if you never start, you'll never get better. And so believe in yourself enough to try, but also don't feel the urgency to start before the Lord says it's time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, that puts this episode in the books today. Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time and sharing your wisdom and your experience and your journey and being an encouragement to those listening to the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: I was really encouraged by my conversation with Elizabeth, and I hope you were as well. I mean, her advice at the end was spot on. Don't feel pressure to jump into podcasting before you're ready, but also know that you won't be perfect when you do. And then she said this too, don't compare yourself to people that have been doing it for a decade. I mean, that's great advice for myself as I'm less than 10 episodes in right now. And you, if you're in a similar position or just thinking about starting a podcast... All you can do is just try to get better every episode. You can listen to Starting Place with Elizabeth Woodson with the link in the show notes. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of Ministries That Podcast, produced by Sonomorphic. If you enjoyed today's episode, text it to a friend or share it on social media. Together, we can help more ministries grow and thrive through podcasting. And if you haven't already, follow or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the next one and leave a five-star review while you're there. Now, come back in two weeks. Our first episode of the new year is going to be with Todd Nettleton. He's the chief of media relations and message integration for The Voice of the Martyrs. He's also the host of The Voice of the Martyrs Radio and the VOM Radio podcast. We're going to be talking about the idea and vision that became the radio show and podcast, how the time constraint of radio plays into his interviewing technique, and the value of having a podcast in addition to the radio program. Well, that's going to do it for this year. Until next time, keep encouraging your audience as they follow Jesus.